Well, before I begin the message, it is definitely a pleasure to be here again. I see a lot of faces that are familiar and some faces that I've never seen before. Um, maybe you've seen me before. I haven't seen you. I'm bad with uh, faces and names. But um, anyway, uh, just a little introduction. There's a little bit, uh, a little blurb already in the bulletin. I am a Navy chaplain ordained in the OPC um, of a station. I'm stationed in the USS San Diego, of course, in San Diego. And I've been here for, um, been there for a couple of, well, a year and a couple of months. Um, I've been in California. We're from the East Coast in Merle. I've been in California since 2015. I've stationed 29 Palms at the Marine Base. And, and there was really, that's in the middle of nowhere, if you know anything about 29 Palms. And I was looking for a church home. So I went on Google and I Googled all the OPC churches and this one was the closest. I didn't know anything about it, but so I started coming here and uh, I loved it. I've enjoyed it and and I've been pretty here much at least once every year since. And so it's been a, a great blessing to be here, a great blessing to get to know many of you and and um yeah, so happy new year to you and um now we'll we'll look at the word of God. Uh Romans twelve read the first eight verses our focus will only be on the first two verses, but just for the context, we'll read the first eight verses. Romans 12. All right. Here more pages turning, so we'll begin at verse 1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is the, that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. For I say through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. For as we have many members in our bodies, but all the members do not have the same function. So we being many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. A prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. Or ministry, let us use it in our ministering. He who teaches in teaching, he who exhorts in exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. And may the Lord add a blessing to his holy word. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we do thank you for the opportunity to hear a message from you. And Lord, I pray that your people would see you and not me. And Lord, I pray that you would give me utterance and freedom to speak your word to your people. And Lord, may the Holy Spirit just uh, work in our hearts to focus our attention on this uh, vital word. And Lord, I pray that we would not only be hearers of the word, but doers of the word, and that your word would not return back void, but would accomplish the purpose for which you intended it to, uh, to accomplish. And so now, Lord, we pray for the next few minutes that you would bless us and, and focus our attention on your holy word. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, happy new year to everyone. Um, these years just fly by the older you get 
the faster they seem to go. Well, the New Year's is an opportunity, really, sort of a new beginning. Um, I was thinking the other day uh, that I've really slacked off on working out. I haven't been working out as much, been eating pretty unhealthy, a lot of McDonald's and and uh, Subway and those fast food things, which are not good. And first thing I said, I said about a week ago, when the new year starts, I'm going to change. I'm going to start working out more and start eating healthy. Um, isn't that the way we often think when it's the new year? We think that's new beginnings, a new time. Uh, the old is gone. Last year, last year was, which was yesterday, is gone. And now we have a new year. And that's why if you notice that these uh, workout places and these uh, gyms and so on, there is a boom in uh, registration for gyms in January because everyone has the same thing, going to work out, going to lose weight, going to really start exercising, going to really start getting into running and all of these things. And by Feb- March or February, everyone's pretty much gone back to <laughs> to normal. Very few people keep their resolutions. And so, um, but it's also a good time as well. I know in the military, January is a time where we get physical checkups, you know, make sure um, everything is, is going well physically and health. And I would recommend if you're not doing that, you should do that. You know, it's very important. It's a good time to um, talk to your doctor just to make sure that everything is in good working order and, and so on. You don't want to um, um, uh, neglect your health. Well, not only is it good to examine our health and maybe our finances and all other types of things, but also our spiritual life as well. Paul tells us that we ought to be diligent to make our calling and election sure. I know uh, you are all faithful members of Sovereign Grace OPC and you're, you know, you're members of good standing, but it's always good to just give an inventory of your spiritual life, of where you can grow and what sins you need to repent of. We should be doing this often and regularly and so on. Uh, it's important because uh, the Bible tells us to do that, to, to always be diligent in self-examination and make our calling and election sure. And so um, these things are important. And I can't think of any better way to do, to do that than looking at these first two verses in uh, Romans chapter 12. Uh, living sacrifices. Um, the Apostle Paul here, uh, Romans is a, is an amazing book. It's a book that, it's a heady book, a very deep book, very deep theologically. A lot of um, great terms in there that describe our salvation, such as uh, propitiation, expiation, um, justification by faith. Uh, we talk about union with Christ, of how we died with Christ and been risen to new life in Christ. Adoption, where we are now sons and daughters of God. Uh, sanctification with progression and so on. Election and predestination, all of these great doctrines, uh, the fall and, and sin, all these great doctrines that Paul describes. And then when he gets to Romans 12, he looks back and he says he appeals to us. And so this morning as we look at that three points, um, first of all, the command to be a living sacrifice really should be more of an appeal to be a living sacrifice. Because he says there in verse 1, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God. In other words, Paul says this, that you should do it because God has been good to you. You should do it because God has blessed you. It isn't it something when someone does something nice for you, sometimes we feel obligated to be nice to them, to repay the favor. 
Uh, I don't know if someone's ever gotten you a, a Christmas gift and you feel a little bad because you didn't get them anything. And you, and you know, you think, well, gee, maybe I should go out and get them something or, or, or whatever. But that's what the Apostle Paul is saying, because God has blessed us. Because we were dead in trespasses and sins. Uh, chapter Romans chapter 1 and chapter 2 talks about how we were uh, slaves to the devil, blind in our sin. Well, the wrath of God abides on us. Um, the anger of God abides on us and so on. And yet God had mercy on us and he saved us. He redeemed us. He could have left us in our sins. He could have cast us into hell. He would have been just by doing that, but he didn't. He had mercy on us. He redeemed us. He saved us. And so because God has been so good to us, because he's given us this great salvation, because he sent his son to die for our sins, because Christ, um, we're joined with Christ and in union with Christ, and because he lives through us and, and, and we've died with him and all these other great blessings because of these things. Therefore, he says, I beseech you by the mercies of God, because God has been good to you, not only in, the, uh, in Romans and all these other great uh, doctrines, but also in your life, because he rescued you, because he redeemed you, because he saved you, because he's blessed you uh, abundantly above whatever you can think or imagine. He says, therefore, I beseech you by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. A living sacrifice. And a couple of weeks ago, no, a couple of weeks ago, a couple of months ago, back in August, I went to um, Chicago for training. It was called Warrior Toughness. It's it's a, it's basically they're finding that our sailors are not resilient, having trouble dealing with uh, just the the challenges of life, and so this training is to really help you to be, I guess. More tough, but to be more resilient. And it really focuses on the whole person, the mind, body, and soul. The mind, you know, today, you know, especially in the um, mental health world, the mindfulness is, is a big thing. I have a smartwatch here, and every day it tells me to, to take some time to, to be mindful. That's where you close your eyes and you, you take those deep breaths and you just focus, you know, just, I guess, get in the moment. Um, and then it's also the, the body, it talks about the health, you know, what you eat, getting your proper rest. They find the sailors, especially a lot of them will stay up to three o'clock playing video games and they have to get up at five thirty or six. You're not going to be at your, um, at, at your best if you're tired and fatigued. And then, uh, the spiritual is not, basically it's not biblical, but it's more of who you are as a person, your, your, um, is that it could be spiritual. It could be spiritual. Whatever you find that can center you, whatever you find that can help you. Um, so that's the purpose of it. Cause you know why? Cause the military wants everything from you. They when we sign up to join the military, it's not a nine to five job. It's not like working at McDonald's or, or working for, um, uh, uh, you know, or, or having your own business or whatever you employees go home and so on. It's not like working for Matt, you know, you work, you know, work an hour and he'll pay you a hundred thousand dollars. I mean, <laughs> thank you, Matt. <laughs> I just got you some, I got you some employees. There you go. <laughs> but the, the military wants everything from you because they can call us at any time, um, to go to certain places. So they realize that 
They need us to be physically fit, mentally fit, spiritually fit. That's why I'm there as a chaplain and so on. I say all this because I think that's what the meaning that Apostle Paul has here in Romans 12, where he says, present your body. He's talking about everything that is you, not just your physical body, but you, everything, your mind, everything that you have. Make that a living sacrifice, not a dead sacrifice. In the Old Testament, you know, when a, uh, when a lamb was offered, that was a dead sacrifice. Christ offered of himself once, it was a dead sacrifice. But here, he's talking about a living sacrifice. Peter says in, in I believe, in First Peter, that we are living stones built up for Christ. And so when we say sacrifice, that means it's a consecration, a dedication, a dedication to God that we are, that we offer up ourselves to God. Now, as a, you know, if we are Christians and we made professional faith, we've already done this, uh, where we have said that we have committed our lives to Jesus Christ and Christ is the Lord and King of our life. But it's something that we continue to do. It's something that we continue to do, that we offer up ourselves as an acceptable sacrifice to God, a living sacrifice. That word living there means something that continues on, that you would keep doing it. And so I think that's the meaning that Paul has there, that we present ourselves, our bodies, a living sacrifice to God, that our lives are not our own, but they're Jesus Christ, that he owns us, that uh, we lose our lives and we give it to him. He says if we gain our lives, we lose it. If we lose it, we give it to him. And so our lives are Christ. So in other words, our bodies are not our own. Our lives are not our own. And what we're doing, we're offering up what is Christ. And so that is what is meant there. And yet when you look at it, this is not easy to do because we still have the old nature, the sinful nature that continues to want to please self, that continues to want to live for self, follow self, and do self. We say, what about me? Whenever I have problems, whenever I'm depressed or upset, oftentimes, ultimately, it's because I'm focused on myself and what I'm not getting and what I'm not uh, receiving. I'm not getting the respect or the authority or the adulation or the pride or whatever it is that I'm looking for, I'm not getting. And so Paul says we have to continually give that up to continually fight the battle against this. Charles Spurgeon says the greatest enemy we have is ultimately not the devil. It's ourself. It's our flesh that constantly wants attention, that constantly wants mastery, that constantly wants to be in charge. The flesh and the spirit, as, as Paul says in Galatians 5, they lust against each other. The flesh against the spirit, the spirit against the flesh. So this idea of continually giving up ourselves, offering up ourselves, offering up these things is difficult, it's challenging, it's tough. And yet the apostle Paul says, we should remember what the mercies of God. John Calvin says of this, that unless we realize that we are great debtor to Christ, unless we realize how much we owe God, we will not offer up ourselves as a living sacrifice. Because this is not easy to deny ourselves, to be humble, to not think of ourselves more highly than we ought, as Paul says there in Romans um, and, and, and verse 3 there. This is not easy to do. And so he's telling us that we ought to offer up ourselves, our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. Well, how do we do that? Because that's definitely not an easy thing to do. 
Well, what is it that we're supposed to offer up? Well, whatever that God has given us is his. You know, we have nice houses and nice cars and nice homes, and there's nothing wrong with these things. God is very generous. But if God chooses to take those things, as Job says, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Everything that we have is Christ. Everything that we have is God's. Oftentimes we say, well, this is my, this is my house, my car, my, and so on. But ultimately it's Jesus Christ and he gives it to us. And we should use that for his service. We should use that for his glory. That's what it means. There's nothing wrong with the things that we have, that we can obtain things and so on. But we use it in this service. What is the, uh, the Bible says, do all to what? To the glory of God. Everything that we have is God's. And we use it as a living sacrifice to him. That's what it means. That we deny ourselves and we ask ourselves, what can we do? How can we serve God and serve his people? How can we serve the world? How can we serve our neighbors? How can we serve our enemies? How can we, the things that God has given us, how can we use it? And notice he says a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God. Holy, that word. Now, even in reform circles, sometimes we recoil at that word holy because of Christian liberty and we don't want to be legalists. But the Bible talks a lot about holiness. And as Christians, God expects his children to be holy. Everything that he does is to make us holy. Our spouse is there to help us to be holy. Our jobs, our difficulties, all these things, because God is conforming us to the image of Jesus Christ. And so he requires us to be holy. Notice in the Old Testament, God never wanted animals that were lame, disfigured, or broken. He wanted the best. And this is what we ought to offer up to God, ourselves. Not only is our offering important, but why are we offering it? We offer it by faith. We offer it because of we have been sanctified, because we have been born again, because we're a person of faith. Our motives of just important is why we do something. Why do we do what we do? Are we doing it for self? Are we doing it to glorify self or magnify self? Are we doing it to glorify God? I remember as a kid working at McDonald's and oftentimes we would goof off and we would just sit there and just talk and laugh. And then when our boss came, we would get up our brooms and start, just start sweeping. And then once he left, we would go back to doing whatever we were doing. Is that a good motive? Absolutely not. And how often do we do that? That's why the Bible says even at our jobs, Paul says don't be men pleasers or women pleasers, but be God pleasers. We work for another boss. We work for God. And so to be holy means that, is that we consecrate our lives to God, ourselves to God. You know, just as the military requires I mean, wants us to be healthy. So as Christians, we should have a body that we want to be healthy. Why? Not because the world does as they want to lose weight so they can get attention. Everyone talks about, wow, you lost all this weight. 
No, we do why so that we can be what more service to Christ. If I can maybe be more healthy, if I can eat better, sleep better, whatever, maybe Christ can use me for something more, better, or greater. And so that's what it means that we present our bodies a living sacrifice, our mind, everything that we are acceptable to God. Why? Because this is our reasonable service. Sometimes people ask us to do things which aren't reasonable, right? Maybe they pay us a low wage. Not like Matt, because you, you'll get plenty of money with him, but maybe they pay us a low wage and expect us to do all of this incredible amount of work. And you say, that's not reasonable. That's not fair. But yet the apostle says here that this is reasonable. It's hard to deny ourselves is one of the hardest things to do. To uh, sacrifice, to present our bodies as a living sacrifice, it it's challenging, it's hard, it's difficult. Sometimes God puts us in situations which we don't like. I remember listening to my missions professor, maybe you know him, Tony Curto. He was uh, in Southern California. Um, he was a missions professor at Greenville Seminary. He told the story about um, he was in a church in, in, in Escondido, and he was enjoying life. And his presbytery said, oh, we want you to go to Uganda. We think you would be the perfect fit for Uganda. You think he wanted to go to Uganda? Here he is, had this great life. He's enjoying himself, uh, preaching the word of God. And yet he went to Uganda. And that is exactly what it means. Yes, we enjoy these things, but we have to, if God calls upon us to leave these things, to go in a different direction, to um, go another way, then absolutely, that's what we have to do. I was talking to my next-door neighbor, a former neighbor, and he was telling me, he's a lawyer. He told me, I just feel convicted that God is calling me into ministry. I'm, I'm quitting my law practice, and I'm, I'm going to seminary, and I'm going to join, I'm going into the ministry. I said, that's amazing. That's what God calls upon us to do sometimes, to be living sacrifices. We might not call upon you to be a missionary. He might not call upon you to... Um, to go preach the word, but wherever you are, he calls upon you sometimes to sacrifice. Sometimes there are times where we, uh, a thought will come in our mind, boy, maybe I can help this person. Maybe I can help this, maybe I can give this person a ride. Maybe I can um, uh, have this person over for a house, over my house for some food or whatever. And then sometimes we'll say, oh no, I better not. Because then I might become, you know, I might have to do it all the time. <laughs> Or I might, it might, you know, it, you know, it'll start being inconvenience. And I don't want to be inconvenienced. But we're going to be a living sacrifice. Christ was often inconvenienced. There are times Christ wanted a break. There are times Christ wanted no one to know where he was. And they found him. His Bible says he was moved with compassion. And so God calls upon us to offer up ourselves as a holy, acceptable to God, which is reasonable. Yes, it's hard. But what Christ has done for us it's reasonable. He has done far more for us than what we can ever do for him. If he calls upon us to give everything, even our lives, he's still done far more for us because we have eternal life and because we're co-heirs with him. So that's the first point is, is the appeal to um, a living sacrifice. But the second command is appeal not to be a conformist. To be a conformist. You think of not, I remember in the 60s and 70s, and the, I don't know, maybe you guys read about it. Some of you guys are pretty young, but <laughs> I was there. 
But you often heard, um, we think of non there was this non-conformity thing, this rebellious stage where we're going to stick it to the man. We're not going to uh, conform to the world. We're not going to conform to our leaders. We're going to be different than our leaders. We're not going to follow instructions. We're not going to obey those, those in authority over us. We're going to be a non-conformist. Is that what the apostle is talking about? Well, absolutely not. Nor is he talking about when we say conforming to the world, uh, wearing the same dress the world wears or working at the same job that the world works or living in the same house or living in the same neighborhood where unsaved people live and so on. That's not what he's talking about. Well, what's he talking about? When he talks about do not conform to the world, well, he's talking about the philosophy of the world, the fashion of the world. Matt mentioned it in his prayer, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, the philosophy of the world. This world, unsaved people are run by the God of this world, which is the devil. The devil blinds the eyes of men and women so they cannot see. And so this world is godless. This world is wicked, is satanic in many ways. This world, all people think about is this world. There's no thought of God. There's no thought of eternity. There's no thought of the next world. There's no thought of faith. It's this world and this world only. What can we get out of this world? So all of their thinking, all their thoughts, all their activities, everything that they're doing is regarding this world. And so this world is moving farther and farther away, even in our culture, our society, is moving farther and farther away from God. And so that's what Paul means, not to be conformed to the fashion, the dictates, the philosophy of this world. Why? Because this world is deadly. This world will send you, will cast you into hell. And because Jesus says the love of money is the root of all evil. And what does Jesus say? You do not love the world. You cannot love God and love this world. The two are opposed to each other. You cannot love this world and love God. You cannot love mammon and love God. The two are opposed to each other. They have two different missions. They're enemies of each other. And so if you love one, you hate the other. And that's what the Apostle Paul says. Don't be conformed to the thinking of this world, to the way this world operates, to the way this world um, uh, lives. Instead, he says, do not conform to this world. Do not conform to the age of this world. Do not live the way that the world lives. When you look at the world, when you see what is going on daily in this world, it's a world that is getting farther and farther away from God, as I said earlier. We think about um, Christians and how we ought to live. And so God has to warn us not to be conformed to the world, but instead he tells us to what? Be transformed. Be transformed. Why? Because this world is the broad road in a sense. This world is a broad road that will lead to destruction. This is a world where, as I said, all everyone thinks about is this world and what they can get from it and how much they can get from it. And so their whole goal is to get as much of this world as they can get. Jesus says, what good is it if you gain the whole world and lose your soul? 
sometimes when we look at um, people who win the lotto, they win, uh, I saw one, it was like one uh, close to a billion dollars, I think back in the summer or the fall or something. It was something outrageous. You think, boy, what could we do with that money? Think of the houses you could buy, the cars you could buy. Think of all of the great things you could buy with that money. But yet, the people who win these lottos, they did studies and they show that, first of all, 90% of them become broke. Secondly, all of them, most of them wish they never would have won it because of all of the heartache and the pain that comes with it. And thirdly, you cannot give that money for your soul. Your soul is the most important thing. Jesus says, what will a man give in exchange for his soul? Your money will do no good in the next world. And this is what this world lives for. They live for money. They live for the possessions. They live for the things of this world. And though the world is different and they're diverse and there's different ethnicities and different likes and educational levels, they have one thing in common. They're all ruled by Satan and they're all led by the devil. They're all led by his um, schemes. He is the strong man. He blinds them so they cannot see. If Paul says in 2 Corinthians 4, it's like there's a mist over their eyes. They walk in darkness so that they cannot see the truth. They cannot see the word of God. They cannot see these things. And so Paul is warning us not to be conformed to it. And the New Testament constantly have to warn us. John says, do not love the world, nor the things of this world. Why? Because the world is attractive. It's seductive. The Bible calls the world a beast, a whore, a prostitute. It's, it's, it seeks to lure you in. It seeks to intimidate you. The world wants full allegiance. It wants your full attention. It wants your full allegiance. It wants you to bow down to them. It wants you to worship them. It wants you to serve them. Why? Because the devil is the one who is behind this. And that's why Paul says, don't be conformed to it. He has to warn us because for Christians, it's so easy to be seduced. It's so easy to be conformed to it. It's so easy to, because every day we see it and the world is constantly tempting us. The world is constantly trying us. The world is constantly, day after day, constantly inviting us to come, be a part of it, to join us, to leave God. We have more things that you will enjoy. We have more things that that will make you happy. Being a Christian is not going to make you happy. Following God is not going to make you happy. This will make you happy. And the world constantly, through his uh, commercials, through his pleadings, through his temptations, through even what you see with your own eyes, it looks like everyone's having fun, everyone's enjoying themselves, and here I am trying to live for Christ, trying to be a Christian. If I cheat and steal, I probably could get ahead more instead of me being honest and so on. And so Paul has to constantly warn us that it's all a lie and not to be conformed to it. But then my final point is, how do we not be conformed to the world? Well, he says, be transformed by the renewing of our mind. When I was a kid, one of my favorite shows was Incredible Hulk. So love that show. It came on Friday at 8 o'clock. You had The Incredible Hulk at 8, Dallas at 9, and I forget what came on at 10, maybe Dynasty, I don't remember. But anyway, Incredible Hulk was, if you young kids, and you, I'm sure you don't know this, maybe you saw the movie. But anyway, there was David Banner. He was a scientist, and his wife died in this 
in this terrible car accident. He couldn't get the car open. And so he experimented the science in the lab and he became, uh, he, he took this potion. And every time he got angry and upset, he transformed into the seven foot Lou Ferrigno character uh, with the green character. He was able to uh, toss cars and, and smash people and so on. It was amazing. You know, as a kid, you're like, wow, I want to be like that. But, but I think a little bit, I had to tell that story. I don't know how much it's going to relate to what I'm going to say, but, <laughs> but a little bit, that's what God, Paul is telling us to do is to transform our thinking. We've been transformed already because we've been born again. But we will be transformed by what? By the renewing of our mind constantly. We constantly have to be telling ourselves that we are in this world, but we're not of the world. God wants us to enjoy things of this world. Paul says in Ecclesiastes, I mean, Paul, Solomon says in Ecclesiastes that there's nothing better than for you to enjoy basically a good time with your spouse and your kids, enjoy food and the portion that God has given you. And so there are many things that God tells us that we can enjoy. Christian liberty. Paul says that he has given us his liberty. We're free in Christ to enjoy certain things. Certain things the Bible is silent on. In the Old Testament, there was laws for everything. What you wore, the food you could eat, and all these things. All these things have been, uh, have been removed. And except for obviously the sin, obviously we're not free to sin, but there's certain things God has been silent on. I remember this, this is past Christmas. I was talking to a, a, a believer on the ship and he doesn't celebrate Christmas. He thinks Christmas is the most pagan holiday ever. He's like, there's no way I could celebrate. He's a young man. He was telling me, you know, he's dating this girl and he's like, well, my house, we're not going to be celebrating Christmas. And I said, well, boy, that's going to be a tough thing. But <laughs> you know, because she obviously loved, she had, a, I mean, he was upset because she went to a Christmas party and so on because, and so, but the point of the, and I was telling him, you know, what Paul was saying about, we shouldn't despise those who drink and those who don't drink and so on. And we have to be gentle with other people. But the point of matters is this Christian liberty. One of my bosses, he, he would not have a TV in his house. It says evil, don't want anything to do with it. And yet, never once did he say, I don't want you to have a TV. You know, because to each man, whether you partake or you don't partake, you do all to the glory of God. And so that's what Paul said. We have to renew our mind. Some things we're more convicted on than others. But the fact of the matter is, is that God is the one that's in charge and we, to him we rise or we fall. And we have to renew our mind in this wicked world. Have you noticed on social media? So many people have podcasts now. Everyone is just, they're doing too much talking, aren't they? <laughs> it's just too much. And they all have their hobby horses and they all talk about how, and a lot of it is, I guess, because especially if you want ratings and you want people to listen to your show, a lot of it is so much negativity out there. There's so much negativity about what's going on in the world, what's going on uh, in um, society and what's going to happen. 
You got the Great Reset. Is there going to be a one world order? Is there going to be food in two years? Is there is the government going to put some uh, terrible disease uh, in the name of climate control? There's oh, so many different um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? So many different uh, stories and so many different things people are saying. And most of it is mere speculation. And oftentimes we listen to this stuff and we become very anxious, very fearful, very scareful, scareful, very scared. We don't know what's going to take place. Am I going to have food? Am I going to have a house and all of these things? And yet that is not really renewing our mind. We have to renew our mind in this world because that's why coming to church and reading the Bible is so important to offset, to counteract, because the things that people are saying, they're not following God. They're not saying, well, God's in control or God is, is in charge. Instead, most of them, maybe there's some, but most of them are just speaking about what we need to do and how we need to do it and so on. But there's a God in heaven. I don't know what's going to happen. I can't say what's going to happen. Maybe bad things are on the horizon. But the fact of the matter is, is that our God is in the heavens. He does whatever he pleases. He's going to take care of his people. And that's what we need to hear. We don't need to be anxious or fearful about the future because we know who holds the future. And that is the Lord. And he will take care and protect those who are his. And so we need to constantly be what? Proving what is acceptable to God. Uh, uh, that you may prove what is good and acceptable, perfect will of God. What is the will of God for our lives? That's what we need to constantly be focusing on as we deal and navigate this world. What is the will of God regarding my children, regarding my spouse, regarding this job, and so on? We need to constantly be focusing on that, testing that, listening to the Word of God, reading the Word of God, hearing what the Word of God says, hearing the Word of God preached. Why? So that we can be what? Present our bodies as a living sacrifice before God, acceptable to God. That's what God calls upon us to do. That is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. The world has said, what does the world do? The world says we know how to live by our own heart, by our own feelings, by our own gut, by whatever. But for Christians, we do it by what? By the word of God. And that's what we need to do. Spend time in the word of God. Spend time in prayer. Not letting the world shape our opinions, our, our views, how we should think, how we should operate. They want us to tell us how to be angry. I mean, who to be angry at, who to be upset with, how to live, what to do, what not to do. If whether we are a Republican or Democrat, whatever it is, there's this, this is my group. Versus your group. These are my people versus your people. And you have to hate this group of people. You have to dislike this group of people because this group of people is different from ours. Is that what the Bible says? Is that what the word of God says? We need to be kingdom focused. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. In this world, there are millions, millions of people who don't know Christ. Whether they are Democrat or Republican or whatever they are. I know on the ship. These young people today, you know, oftentimes there's not very many Christians on, on my ship. When someone comes, when a young person comes to me and says, I'm having problems with my spouse. 
I've learned I cannot assume that they're talking about a heterosexual relationship. There are many people who are engaged in homosexual relationships who are married to people of the same sex. What do I do with that? But as I listen to their story, oftentimes it's a story of heartbreak. These kids were raised um, in foster homes, didn't know who their parents are, or if the parents are not very much in their lives. Many of them were subject to sexual abuse and physical abuse. They don't know anything about church, about the gospel, because they never went. They were shuttled from person to person, from family member to family member. And so these kids come in with deep scars, deep wounds, not knowing, not understanding how to live, how to function in this world. Many of them have struggled, they tell me, with pornography. They're addicted to it and it's, it's, it's destroying them. That's the world in which we live today. And the military is only a, a, just, a, 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 just a reflection of the civilian world. All these kids are going through the same thing. Therefore, presenting our bodies as a living sacrifice to God and to his people is more important understanding people, befriending people, sharing the gospel with people, helping people out in your neighborhood is so important. This is what Christ has called us to do. Jesus says uh, the Pharisees couldn't understand it. Why is Jesus eating with sinners? What? You're eating with sinners? Well, Jesus is a sinner himself. He says, no, the whole don't need a physician but the sick do. And there are many people in this world who are lost and on their way to hell. And we have the good news. And we need to be out and about sharing the gospel. We can't talk to everybody, but maybe our neighbors, our barber, or people that God will put in our way. Almost, I must admit there are times when God puts someone in my path and I have a chance to just talk about God and I don't do it. I'll talk about the game. I'll talk about whatever, your family. And I'll ask myself, why didn't I say something about God? Why didn't I say something? That was the opportunity to share that. We are salt and light in this world. And that is our business is to be kingdom focused. Yes, there's nothing wrong with politics, don't get me wrong, to be involved, to be active, to exercise our constitutional right, to pray for, as uh, Matt did this morning, pray for our um, elected officials. But our kingdom is not of this world. It's of another world. And God has put us here to be light in this world, to be salt in the world and the geographic location where we are here in Redlands. And so in 2023, let us endeavor to present ourselves as a living sacrifice more than we have. Holy, let us use our resources and our time. There are Christians all over. We could do it at the very least. We can offer a prayer. There are Christians all over the world who are hungry, who are being persecuted. We could come to church and not worry about some, right, at least for now, not worry about authorities coming in 
and arresting us or bombing this place or killing us. What great blessings that we have. But there are other Christians who don't have that same luxury. But we can pray for them. Maybe instead we can, if you get a little bonus, maybe I can give that to, we got uh, struggling seminary students as they come and preach to you. I remember being in seminary and people would give me just a check for $100. That was like gold. They're like, oh, thank you. That's just an encouragement. You know, as you have students coming here to preach to you, I mean, here they are. Many of them have left their homes and they got families and stuff seeking to what? To wed people to Christ. Seeking to uh, shepherd God's people, seeking to shepherd God's flock. We need to be more kingdom minded and more kingdom focused in 2023. And we need to learn to forget about ourselves, which is very hard to do. And think more about the glory of God. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this reminder. And Lord, help us all to be living sacrifices, wholly acceptable unto you. Forgive us, Lord, for being selfish and thinking of our own self far too much more than your kingdom and more than you. Lord, sanctify us. Renew our minds, Lord. Help us to uh, live more for you and for your glory. And may that be our resolution in 2023. In Jesus' name, amen.